Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Before the game kicks off, let's ramp it up with college football overtime. Here's, here's, here's Garrett Chapman and Abe Gordon. Welcome in. We are college football overtime with Garrett Chapman and Abe Gordon. And Abe, we have a ton of college football action that we got to talk about because week 10 is here. It's unbelievable that November has already struck the clock. I'm more just flabbergasted. You know, we have four weeks of college football action left. We have college football playoff rankings to get to, the SEC and the ACC in, in particular. We have much clearer pictures, or do we? we got to discuss that. We're going around the nation as well, and we're going to talk about the Big 12, the Pac-12, the Big 10. All of these have very interesting matchups, and you know what? This is a preview show. We have a reaction show that comes out every single Monday morning, and then, of course, this is our preview to get you ready for the upcoming week. Abe, how you doing, buddy? Man, it is crazy. I've always said for a long time, I think October is my favorite month in sports, just the calendar in mm-hmm. general. You got the NBA and the NHL starting up. You've got the World Series and really just all of the Major League Baseball playoffs. You've got college football and NFL action. But I'll tell you what, when you dial it down, November, in my mind, is the best month Best month specifically of college football. I, I mean, there's so many big games to be played over these last couple of weeks, obviously leading up to the rivalry weekend that is Thanksgiving. Uh, and it gets started this Saturday with so many important games that will will move towards deciding who's going to be uh, in the college football playoffs. And that, and, you know, I'm going to count it. I know it was technically October 31st, technically Halloween, but the release of the first college football rankings as well. I'm going to count that for November. So November, college football, man, it is just the best part of this season. It's a little sad as we do wind down only a couple weeks left. That's frustrating, but uh, boy, there, you know, only a couple weeks, but a lot of action still to come. So I'm pumped. Tons of action because we're still trying to figure out who wins what, you know, and, and we got to see who plays for what. And we have tons of important matchups that even happening this week and in the coming weeks where the college football scene, like we expect it to be one thing and you know what happens in college football, something else entirely happens. So we got to dive right into this because, Abe, like you mentioned, the college football playoff rankings did come out over Halloween. So if you're not out trick-or-treating, you were probably sitting on your couch watching the college football playoff announcements like this guy was. I absolutely <laughs> was sitting there thinking uh, about how all of the decisions that they made were right or wrong or like, oh, okay, who cares? 
Abe, what court do you fall in right now? Do, do you do you think that they were right, super wrong, or do you care at all? Well, I just love the inconsistency, right? Like if there's anything consistent about the college football playoff committee, it's the inconsistencies. <laughs> and, and, and I don't have a problem with how they rank things, and we'll dive into it a, a little bit. But are they about resume? Are they about those quality wins that you have? Are they about how you look? Are they about domination? Are, what exactly are they about? And they just seem to be about so many different things at once. Uh, to put Ohio State where they are, and then Washington State, where they are, we, we the two teams that had the most impressive victories on the entire season, to have right? three teams in the middle of them, yeah, and, and one of them being Michigan, who's played nobody. Georgia's played a couple teams, looked good, looked bad. Florida State, same idea. It's just very interesting to see how they ended up, where they ended up. And I know Boot Corrigan kind of broke it down. The good news is they do look at every week individually. They don't just pencil this yeah. in as – well, Ohio State was there last week. They won, so they'll be at number one a week from now. No, if Georgia's impressive against Missouri, and we'll get to that around the SEC, there's a very real shot that they they change those rankings around week to week. And so I understand why Ohio State is there now. Mm -hmm. uh, it'll be very interesting to see the, the reasoning uh, moving forward for certain teams being in certain places. But I, And I'll say this because we're going to talk about this game and around the nation. This is also a real wake-up call to Washington, in my opinion. Washington should be higher based on who they've beaten and the schedule that they've had. But the lackluster performances over the past couple of weeks, now you're on the road against a ranked team. This is a, hey, you better show us something, and we're going to keep you behind Florida State. They do not deserve to be behind Florida State. It's their own fault that they are. I don't disagree with the committee. It's a little glimpse into you have to be impressive in big games georgia's yeah. number two right now because they were impressive this past week against florida in a big game and well, they had and, big games yeah well well but washington did too and they and they were they were they won the sure. game that's why they're i was you know, more i was more insinuating michigan there but well right and they just be and that's why i get that weird inconsistency of they're downgrading Washington because they haven't looked great, but they do have the quality win. They were upgrading Michigan because they have looked great, but they've got nothing on their schedule. Florida mm -hmm. State's in no man's land. Georgia's kind of in no man's land with the exception of uh, last week and, and Kentucky earlier. And then Ohio State really hasn't looked incredibly dominant, but it's just straightforward. They wiped away how you looked on the field and said, this is the team that has the two most impressive wins, uh, not individually, but combination of two sure. most impressive wins. And that's why, for now, we're going resume over anything else. And that's why Ohio State's number one. I, I don't hate it, uh, but I just know that next week it's going to be something different. Some other team, potentially, or, or changes within the rankings for seemingly no good reason. So mm -hmm. I, I do expect the inconsistency with their explanation and ranking next week. Yeah, and, it, and one thing about the, the college football playoff committee just in general is is they, they, they treat this like they're a toddler, you know, and it just sort of <laughs> changes with the wind. Like the mood is is whatever it is that day. And they seem to remember the most recent thing that happened because to me, the most recent thing that happened with Georgia, of course, is they wiped yeah. the floor with Florida. What happened before that? Oh, well, this team can't start. They can't play four quarters. They can't put a whole game together. And then, but they seem to forget that fact, you know, and it just, it's just whatever. And, you know, it like the rules apply here and then maybe they don't there. And I think the hard and fast fact of the college football playoff committee is that there are no hard and fast rules. There are none. 
And I, I think they like that flexibility and the ability to, to sort of just go with whatever works. And I don't think it's just because the TV money or whatever, and I'm not going to try and sit here and speculate on that idea. I just think they need to rank the four best teams as in the order that they would go because sometimes they say, I think that this team is better than that team. And then other times it's a, this team has a better resume than that team. Right. And that's why. Okay. Like <laughs> at this point, yeah, I think you nailed it. I mean, the top five, Ohio state, Georgia, Michigan, Florida state, Washington, in that order. I was tweeting before it came out. That's fine. I mean, mine's different in every single spot. It's different. I got zero, one, zero. Correct. I have Georgia's the best team in the country. I think they're the best team in the country. And, um, They've shown it. And of course, my brain, I can't, I have a hard time separating from what they've done the last two seasons because you know what? That matters. And it makes up your, your team's identity and, and public perception of your team. They've been there, they've done that. And I think it's important. Um, of course, it doesn't matter for these rankings. And I think we see that. Um, but Ohio State, look, they, they have the, the, the game against Penn State. They've looked really good there. They, they have the, the game against Notre Dame. They look good enough there. And I wouldn't say they look like the number one team in the country in either of those games, but they have the resume, you know, and that's why they're number one. And, and ultimately it's, it's more of a death wish to be the number one team in the country than it is to not be. I mean, look, you go back to all the way to 2014, you know, the number one team was in the inaugural one, Mississippi state. What have they done since, you know, last year it was Tennessee. They got smoked in their next week, you know? So it's, it's not some, like I'm more in the camp. I asked you when we started this segment, I said, do you, are you agreeing with it or do you disagreeing or do you care? And I'm kind of in the camp that I don't really care. You know, well, it's going to play itself out. It's we've got, play we got plenty out. of weeks and there's going to be plenty of opportunities in the games ahead. Georgia against yeah. Missouri, Georgia against Ole Miss back-to-back weeks, Michigan and Penn state coming up. There's going to be reason to jump teams or, or lower teams course, as it may be. What I found interesting, but it gives is you a it, barometer. Is that's that's what I was getting to. Yeah, I, I don't think they're ranking on how good a team they feel it is. I think they're mm-hmm. ranking on on other aspects. Uh, what when I look at that this list, the question it feels like they ask their members to decide on is why shouldn't we rank this team number one right now? And, and it, it it ultimately comes down to Ohio State had fewer reasons not to be ranked number one than Georgia did, than Michigan did, than sure. Florida State, than Washington. I, I think they're asking the wrong question. Not why shouldn't we rank these teams number one, but why should we be ranking these? And, and we're all nitpicking and they have their own approach. And I don't know specifically what it does, but it felt to me like that was the question that they were asking me. It feels backwards. But again, I agree with what you're saying. It's going to play itself out. And there's yeah. going to be a, a – look, I don't know what happens on Saturday uh, in Athens, but there's a very real situation where Georgia looks good enough to where there's no denying with another win over a ranked team that they're close in resume with Ohio State, have overperformed unlike Ohio State. I mean, there's just going to be arguments sure. that can be made. Um, and then there's also the discussion, and I don't know how this played out either. We've only got the one game. Are they ranking Georgia as viewed without Brock Bowers? Uh, and I think that's a, a fair assessment based on what they're being asked to do week by week. Um, mm-hmm. And that may also be part of the variable as to why Georgia was ranked too. Yeah, and I think there are plenty of reasons. And when I tweeted about this initially at GChapATL on Twitter, uh, if you want to follow, what are you, at, at Abe Gordon, Just right? At Abe Gordon, right there. At Abe man, Gordon, keeping it. it simple. but. Uh, I think there was a lot of fluidity. I think when I, when I initially tweeted this, I said, 
I think I had Georgia as my number one team. And I said they could be slotted anywhere between one and four. And then I had Michigan as my number two team. I said they could be slotted in anywhere between one and five. And then I went all the way down the list, all the way to five. And all five of those teams could really be anywhere. Like you could have made the case. Well, Washington outside of the number one spot, I could see them going two, three, four, or five. But outside of that, it's like you could make the case for Florida State to be the I, number one team You could make a case for Washington. I, I mean, I, get I, mean, the I guess you State could like, because their your top win is better than anybody else's. Exactly, yeah. I, mean, I think universally everyone has Oregon at six. Yeah. You know, so they have the best win. Yeah. So you go that next step down, though. I do want to move on to past these undefeated teams and into uh, our one-loss teams, starting with Oregon. I think they are the best team in the country as far as the one-loss teams go. Okay, right. Then you move into a Texas who has the head-to-head win over the number, number eight team, Alabama. But then you have a one-loss team in Oklahoma who also has a head-to-head win over that Texas team. I think that's just a case. Your resume looks a little bit better, or at least it doesn't look quite as bad in the case of their loss to Kansas. Um, I guess that's the rationale there. But then nine, you have Oklahoma well, I mean, and but, you but, have Ole Miss. Who's another team who has that similar type of a head-to-head? Yeah, you try and draw a head-to-head, but Kansas also blew out. Uh, excuse me, uh, Texas also blew out Kansas. Um, yeah. So I, I, I tend to agree. Usually, I would prefer head-to-head to be a deciding factor. Mm-hmm. I can understand, and, and and also like if you're being fair and honest, which I think we have been on this show. You and I, I think, have both said it. Like, if those two teams played again, we would pick Texas to win. I thought Texas was a better team that day. They just didn't get it done. Um, unfortunately, I think there's a similar discussion to be had against Oregon and Washington, and we hope mm-hmm. that it will play itself out that way. But the interesting thing to me so. about these one-loss teams is, and we'll get into it, is with Alabama because they've got a game this weekend where if they win, would you be surprised if they jump Oregon as the top one-loss team? No, not at all. I mean, that, that's where that's Oregon, what gets interesting say, to me. Just because we've seen this sort of thing happen in the past where Alabama does seem to have this, there's an aura around yeah. Alabama. There always has been. And um, honestly, it's, it just exists. It's just the way it is. You know, it's, they're Alabama. And I think Oregon is a better football team. I think they have a better resume, truthfully. That's just where I stand on I it. I think that's fair. And I agree. But, but on the antithesis of that point, if you're Alabama, you would have had wins over uh, you have a, a close loss to Texas, which I guess you could theoretically call it close, but it was at home. Yeah, um, that's your loss. You have a win over Ole Miss, a top ten team in the country. You right. have a win over LSU, the number fourteen team in the country. Yep. And depending on the manner in which you and, win, and Tennessee, by the and way, and Tennessee, who's number seventeen on this list. So I think you're starting to stack things. Yeah. And look, I mean, Oregon on the on the other end, Oregon is a great claim for it too. They have a win over the number eighteen team. They're only losses to the number four or five team, rather. Yeah. Like, look, this is a good good team. And look, you already have a – and you could have a win. Uh, you have another matchup coming up against USC. You have UCLA down the road. I mean, the Pac-12 is going to – I mean, it's interesting. It's a very the interesting The good news spot. for both teams, Oregon and Alabama, mm-hmm. is if they take care of business, they will end oh, yeah. up in the Pac-12 championship and the SEC championship mm-hmm. against teams that are ranked in the top four, being Washington and or uh, Georgia, most likely, assuming Washington holds serve there. And, and you'll be able to play your way in anyways. You, you, this is why I'm not freaking out about yeah. whether you're six or seven, even for Texas, potentially further down the line, even for sure. Ole Miss potentially, or even, you know, you know, so uh, Missouri, uh, mm-hmm. you, you know, don't get frustrated with it, whether you're at either uh, it's all in front of you. And that's why I just don't care to overreact. I find the thought process of the committee interesting 
but I don't feel the need to overreact to it. And that's, that's why I'm kind of accepting without too much judgment or harshment um, mm-hmm. of, of what we have is the, the, the first rankings. I, I'm cool with it. Yeah. And I'm trying to look and see where uh, TCU was last year. They were seven. Okay. So they were, they were probably one of the more disrespected teams last year. They got ranked behind a, a one loss Alabama team last year. Yeah. So these things change. And then, and then it got to the end of the end of the season where they didn't even win their the conference championship game, and they made it in on their own merit. Right. So, I, I think there's a lot of football to be played. That's my point that I'm trying to get to with this. Agreed. A lot of these things are going to figure themselves out. I will say though, James Madison absolutely deserves to be ranked in this top 25. I really think that they do. Then they always they these these teams always seem to give the the benefit of the doubt to these the bigger schools, and rightfully so. I will say, but look. James Madison has done everything that they need to in order to be a ranked team. And I will say, I think that they'll probably be in that little next team out kind of category right behind Tulane and Air Force. Tulane's built up some street cred, if you will, by winning the Cotton Bowl last year. Um, but outside of that, I think most of this stuff is, is just going to continue to play to play itself out. Uh, and, I, and I'm very excited, and I'm very much here for it. But Abe, let's get into around the SEC because – of course, we have two of the biggest games of the week taking place down here in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, Missouri traveling to Georgia. That is our first game. That is the CBS game of the week at 3.30. So we'll start here. Abe, what are your early thoughts about this one? My early thoughts are Georgia has had issues in the past with legitimate number one wide receivers and legitimate quarterbacks. And that's what they're facing in Brady Cook and Luther Burden. Uh, flip those. Burden, obviously, the receiver and, and Cook, the quarterback. Um, but you've also got a situation that Kirby Smart has been begging for, and that is that they are number two in the rankings. You you got a situation that Kirby Smart, who for whatever reason feels the need to drum up motivation out of nothing, that's what the college football playoff rankings gave Georgia. They gave Georgia the motivation that these guys don't think you're the best team in the country yet. They put you number two. Let's go out there and prove that you're the best team in the country, whether they're the best team or not. Like that, that's what Kirby is drumming up today. And and this is a blessing in disguise for him, obviously. You know he loves that. But mm-hmm. I will say this coming off of this game against Florida, that defense, I, I don't know if it was a one-week thing where they, or if they can carry that over. But if they've figured it out, they sat Graham Mertz four or five times. If they can get into to cook and and, and start to affect what he can do. This may look similar to how it did against Florida. Uh, This is the best Georgia secondary of any of the championship teams over the last three, four, five years. Uh, This is the best secondary. Not as great pass rush, but they did ramp things up a week ago. If they can ramp them up again on on the pass rush side of things, uh, I, I think it could be a long day for Missouri. And on the flip side, you saw Ladd McConkey get cooking. You saw Dejan Edwards get cooking. Um, and more importantly, the, the confidence that Carson Beck has, Garrett, has simply never been higher. It, it really has not. I mean, he is just out there doing his thing at an incredibly high level for a guy. And look, I get why you would be overlooked based on what Stetson Bennett has been doing the past couple of years yeah. through the program. But this guy, whether he was ready or not a year ago doesn't matter. He's come in there now and is ready and is making plays. You lose Brock Bowers. Offense doesn't miss a beat. Another week later, Ladd McConkey's hopefully healthier uh, with that back. Uh, Kendall Milton is hopefully healthier. 
And this offense looks like it's on a roll. And it also may have been a little bit of time for the coordinator. Uh, obviously, Todd Munkin out, Mike Bobo in. Maybe it took a little bit longer than we were allowing for him to figure some stuff out. I, I yeah. think this is a UGA team coming on an incredible high off of that game last week. They're improving and only getting better. I don't expect a letdown. I, I actually expect um, kind of what we saw against Tennessee a year ago. Everyone wants to thrust Missouri into this. They could pull the upset mode. Garrett, I, I'm simply not buying it. I, I think Georgia is ready to roll for a second straight week. I really do. I tend to agree, honestly. And I, I think we were missing the point. Everybody was across the country. It, it wasn't. It wasn't just – as much the the absence of Brock Bowers as much as the return of Lad McConkey. Agreed. And that was the biggest story. Not not Brock Bowers. And that is not a and that it's not to mean that the team is better without Brock Bowers. That's not what I'm trying to say at all. He's debatably the best player in the country. But look, Lad McConkey is an extremely poor, important piece in this team. And I think a lot of the early season woes that we potentially saw in offense came as a result of Lad McCocky not playing. The dude is is slippery. He finds space. He's very effective when he does. You saw his yards after catch. He shredded the Florida secondary. He's healthy. And if he's completely healthy, he's an all-ACC type of receiver. All-SEC. Like, look, he's one of the best receivers in the country. And it was it was interesting, too, because when, when I was at SEC Media Days in Nashville uh, back in July, he was named all SEC. And I remember talking to some folks afterwards where after it was announced, people laughed. People are like, what the hell is this guy doing here? It's just only because he plays for Georgia. It's only this and that. And I'm like, hey, just watch the film, guys. Look at what he does on the football field. He's like you you look at he doesn't really strike you as, as necessarily an elite wide receiver, but that's what he is. He's a really good player. And he there's a, there's a certain special side of, of being a player who can just find space. And he's an important facet to this, what, what this offense wants to do. And look, it's also that and the resurgence of Dejan Edwards, too, and the rushing attack. He, they've, they found their guy. He's just their dude. Um, Branson Robinson was supposed to be the starter for this team, and he gets hurt before the season starts. And uh, that kind of set them back behind schedule on offense. And Dejan Edwards was dealing with injuries a lot, too. I think his resurgence has been huge for, for what they did against Florida. And they, and they just got healthy. I mean, Demarius Mims is a, is a, is a freak. I don't know if you saw Cole Kublik tweeting uh, about the offensive line that Georgia has. It's just, they just have all of these guys just stacked. And if I'm Missouri, I don't really know how I'm going to stop this Georgia offense. I don't really have an answer. Yeah. This is a unit that is, they got shredded against LSU and I'm not necessarily mm -hmm. trying to put them on that same pedestal, but Georgia's right there. If they're not with LSU, they are just a leg below them, just a, a, a tinge below them. LSU gave them, everything that they could handle and then some, and then scored again in the final minutes of the game. You know, I mean, Carson Beck is going to be able to throw the ball all over the field. This is going to be very interesting. My big question is how do you slow down Brady cook and Luther burden? Luther burden's a stud. And it gives me pause though, that they're the biggest strengths of this Missouri team are coming on the offensive side of the ball, just in this, in the, in the passing attack. And that gives me a little bit of pause just in general. But I think this Georgia team is, is, is set up, ready to go. I think them being ranked number two in the country right now is all the, all the influence that Kirby smart needed. He only needed about this much. Yeah. They gave him about that much. I He's also still think not very much. The talking point that we've brought up with this Luther burden cat 
is the same one that Kirby is using, and and he's heard enough of you guys don't defend against NFL receiver types very well, and Luther Burden and Brady uh, Cook are going to come in and, mm-hmm. and and get after. He's been drilling that to his guys for a week now, and, and it it's probably taken note. And uh, not to say he's going to be shut down or anything like that, but I think they're aware, and they're not going to let him be yeah. the guy that beats them. And I think that plays a role too. I'd be interested. I'd be very interested in th- if that happens. I mean, Ricky Pearsall is is uh was that kind of guy for Florida last week, and the, Wilson got him a little bit too. But they're different types of receivers. That that was they a are. lot of short pass, make you miss an open field. Burton likes sure. the downfield stuff a little bit. He does. More. Yeah, he does. And and he's one of the best receivers in the SEC. And Georgia's gonna they're gonna have their work cut out for him yeah. there. Uh, Schrader is also another guy who's who's just been a stud in that backfield. That running back is is going to be I, interesting. You know, I don't even I don't even need to talk about a run game. I, rushing I've seen enough running backs. Running backs are not the team and not the way to beat. The yeah, I've seen I, after after watching my Gators try and run the ball a week ago. After watching no. Kentucky try and run the ball a couple, I've seen enough about running uh, against that Georgia team. Uh, if, if not for a sixty yard run from Peyton Thorne, uh, that Auburn wouldn't run either. I, I just you're not running against that team. Uh, mm-hmm. So good luck. No, no, and and I think the uh, we we've seen plenty of evidence that that Auburn game was just an outlier. Yeah, of course. Um, and all right, so let's move on to another team in the SEC because we have two huge matchups that could decide the fate of the SEC title game. LSU goes on the road to Alabama. This LSU team, they were also ranked number thirteen last year when they played Alabama, and they upset them in Death Valley. LSU doesn't seem to have that same kind of luck when they go on the road and play at. Uh, Brian Denny Stadium outside of that 2019 season but Abe Gordon what are your keys for this one I'm very interested to hear what you have to say boy you know I I I keep waffling on Alabama and and I keep waiting for what they require their offense to do to fail and obviously LSU defensively has had let's just call it a rough go of things this Mm. season but they can score. There's no doubt about that. And I will say this. If they can score against Alabama the way they did against Missouri and pretty much every other opponent this season, it might be tough for Alabama to keep pace. I mean, it's only a couple plays here or there that separate Alabama, big plays, I mean, that separate Alabama from a couple of losses in the past couple of weeks. And so um, – it's very interesting to me to to think that Alabama is going to have to to get into a shootout and stay with LSU. I don't think mm. they can. I really don't think they can. Um, even with as bad as LSU's defense is, they're too reliant on the mm. deep ball for for my comfort. And I will say this though: the great equalizer is is the home game. Uh, yeah. I, I would have picked LSU. I would have favored LSU if this was a, a home game for the Tigers. Nighttime, 745 kickoff. Uh, what is it? I think it's a CBS doubleheader. It is. Um, that just smells like trouble. Uh, and and yeah. it's a situation, Garrett, where I, I don't know who the Heisman is right now. Uh, everyone can take your own pick. But if Jane Daniels wants to be in this discussion, he's got to go absolutely bananas. Absolutely bonkers in this game. Uh, that's the only way that LSU comes out of this thing victorious uh and, and i just don't know if he can I, I think saban will be ready i think a pretty good defense and pretty good pass rush will be ready uh try not to let him run too much um and, and look if you have to live with some big play to neighbors and and uh what's the other receiver robinson mm-hmm. um maybe you do 
But uh, for me, it's about uh, Alabama, Jalen Milrow. Um, can they get this deep ball to keep working, even against the porous LSU defense? I'm still waiting for it to not work. At some point, it's not going to work. And if it has to be in the SEC. It's not you, it's them, man. It's not you, it's them. Totally. Uh, they keep getting better. They keep looking better and better while having it work, though. And I don't know. It's how almost like it's a well-coached that. team, you know. Um, but at some point, it is going to fall apart in, in regards so. to their reliance there. I just don't know if LSU is that team. But um, uh, yeah, there, there's there's a world here where Jaden Daniels goes nuts. Uh, there's a couple of deep balls that get dropped or tipped or whatever. Um, and, and LSU goes in and wins this game. I, I do not think it's as far-fetched as I would have thought uh, in other seasons or even at mm-hmm. the beginning of this season. So the biggest thing with, with last year to this year, so these are two, com- I, in my opinion, I see these as two completely different LSU teams. Um, yes. Jaden Daniels, I mean, they're two different Alabama teams too, I'd say. Too. I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, Jaden Daniels didn't really go bonkers last year against the Tide. He, he threw for like a buck 82. He had the two touchdowns, but he also ran the ball for 95 yards. And then you saw it, of course. Well, when I when I say going touchdown, when I say having one of those games, I think having it with the legs is almost yes. as important with the arm. I totally agree with you. Uh, yes. So he had 95 yards on the ground in that game, but then mo- he had the 25 yard touchdown, and then the subsequent two point conversion, of course, that everybody remembers. And then they go crazy. They rush the field, and it was just an amazing moment. But ultimately, I think. The thing that Alabama doesn't do quite as well is defend the deep pass. That's something that they got they got chunked against Quinn Ewers in this Texas offense. You're right. The teams against the teams that can actually throw the football, they're allowing more than 200 yards a game. Um, there is a there is absolutely a world that LSU wins this football game. No question in my mind. That said, LSU has a boogeyman, and that boogeyman is Nick Saban. It is hard, 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 hard for a team to beat Texas or excuse me, uh, uh, beat Alabama two weeks in a row. It's or two years in a row. You saw Tennessee didn't do it this year. I think the last team to do it, I, I want to say off the top of my head is what Ole Miss. Like of teams that played them consistently, you know, it's not a common thing. You don't see Nick Saban get beat twice. And I'm hard pressed. This is not a game that I'm going to pick LSU. Is this a game that I think LSU can win? Absolutely. But Jaden Daniels needs to play the game of his life. He needs to go crazy. Right. And you need to be able to protect him from the guys like Dallas Turner and, and everybody else. And then you need to be able to rush the passer. Like this is the game where I need to see the LSU pass for step up. I mean, Harold Perkins is somebody who we all pointed to as the best defensive player in the country coming into this season. I don't know if we can say that anymore. I it's just, it's been, uh, no, it's but been, that also doesn't mean he can't look like that for a game. But and that's if what he I'm does, saying. Yeah. That is what I'm saying is between Dallas Turner and Harold Perkins, I'm expecting one of those two to go bonkers on Saturday. And I don't know who's going to be. It may have, honestly, maybe neither of them, but those are two guys who I'm looking at in particular, because if you can, these are two very athletic quarterbacks. They're two quarterbacks who like to throw the ball down the field. And I think the person who throws, throws the ball down the field best might end up winning this game because then it turns into a shootout. And I think that's where yeah, all of the viewers are going to have a great time. This is, I mean, this could be a fun game, you know, I'll- and, I think it's going to be great. I'll also say this about Kool-Aid McKinstry, the Alabama defensive back. I came into the year thinking he was one of the top cornerbacks in the country, uh, potentially even top 10 pick in the NFL draft. And I'm not a draft talent evaluator or scout by any stretch. 
I think he's had a majorly disappointing season uh, against other good receivers, and and he's going to have a challenge this weekend. And and yeah. if it looks like it did against the Texas receivers, that's a real problem, both for Alabama as a team, but also for McKinstry and his his hopes of going in the top ten. And again, I'm not not an evaluator, but uh, I have expected more from him and been let down more than I've been impressed. So that there's just a thought with what he's going to be facing this week too. So the biggest thing for this out in the SEC West, of course, if, if LSU wins this game, they would then need Ole Miss to lose a game because uh, Alabama would still own, would own the tiebreaker over Ole Miss, but you would have three one loss teams in the SEC West, making it very interesting down the stretch because so Alabama needs to lose twice in order to be completely eliminated uh, from the SEC West. So they've, they they control their destiny. Let's put it that way. Um, but I don't think if I'm Nick Saban, I don't want my, the, the fate of my season to come down to well, also a second David loss, a second loss, whether you win the SEC or not takes you out of playoff contention. Most likely, probably, probably. Uh, most likely. Yeah. I mean, and that's different, but LSU would need Ole Miss to lose another game. Ole Miss is still technically alive in this. Uh, if, if Alabama they got a I tough mean, go coming up, they got here. a tough they go. Got- this week, Georgia the week after. Good yes. luck to them if they're going to make that run. But then on the on the other side, you have Georgia and Missouri. That's this is effectively the play in game. If you're Missouri and you win this week, you can't drop a game because then, of course, you would have two losses in the SEC yeah. by virtue of your loss to LSU. But if you win out, if you win this game and then you win out, you're in the SEC championship game, and you have a very real chance of going to a college football playoff um, if you win out. So if you're Georgia, win this game and, I mean, let the rest unfold because you're the best team in the country. Uh, we'll see what ends up happening with it. But I do want to get through and get into the rest of the SEC quickly. Abe, if you have some thoughts on this Texas A&M Ole Miss game, I think this is a very interesting game, but Ole Miss, I, I, can, I just have to think they roll, right? Yeah, I would like to think so. This is going to be an interesting one for Jackson Dart, the Ole Miss quarterback, just, just facing a really good front that's probably not going to let him use his legs a ton. Quinchon Judkins as well. It's going to be tough sledding, uh, but if they can find a couple holes, there, there's I haven't seen enough out of the A&M offense um, under uh, you-know-who as the new offensive coordinator there for Jimbo. Um, I, I haven't seen enough from him to be impressed uh, and think that they're going to go into Ole Miss uh, and win this game. Um, and, and look, it's just, it's a weird situation for Jimbo. No one really trusts him, but he's not yeah. doing enough to lose the job necessarily right now. Um, it, you know, could people's minds change if they get completely embarrassed in this one? That's kind of what I'm looking for. Not suggesting they will. Um, but the, Texas A&M, the writing, the storylines every week has been wild. <laughs> it's the ebbs and flows of Texas A&M. You're yeah. riding the Jimbo Fisher roller coaster of, of chaos and, I don't know what to expect in this game, really, because Lane Kiffin is a little similar in that matter. But I think ultimately Quinchon Judkins is the great equalizer. I think he's going to be able to run the ball effectively in this game. And if you can run the ball on the Texas A&M front, then I just don't trust that Texas A&M offense to, to really keep pace. Uh, yeah. Jackson Dart and that combination in the backfield, I think they're going to find some success on the ground. Trey Harris on the outside. Give me Ole Miss in this game. Plus, they don't travel super well, but they do play well yeah. at home. And that's where this game is happening over there in Oxford, Tennessee. They're playing UConn as they get ready to uh, start up this this back half of their of their slate. Huge win for them last week. I don't really see much of an issue with UConn. This is a team that they should roll. 
as they get ready for the final games of the SEC. The, the only question for me is, is it a big enough blowout to where we see five-star Nico? That, that's I want to see the Nico. Only question I have. Uh, other than that, uh, if he's Stay in the game, him. maybe I'll find it on one of my third or fourth TVs, but if not, almost zero interest. <laughs> I have very little interest in this game just in general. I want to see Nico if he comes in. Um, but outside of that, just stay healthy and get and stay healthy uh, down for the rest of the stretch. Arkansas and Florida, two teams who are coming off of very frustrating seasons, or not seasons in general. Arkansas is coming off of a frustrating seasons. Uh, Florida's coming off of a frustrating loss. These are two coaching staffs who really want this win just to kind of keep their season going. Uh, what are your thoughts here, Abe? It's an important win for Billy Napier to grab, uh, and I don't know if he will, but uh, they've got a brutal, brutal back half. Uh, of the schedule uh, still coming with Missouri, still coming with LSU, uh, obviously Florida State in that discussion as well. It's a rough go for the Florida Gators. This would be an important win uh, to kind of separate uh, from that UGA game and, and and get ready for the rest of it. And I, you know, it's just just going to be about the mental spot. Where, where are where is Florida mentally? They they should be able to hold home serve here against an Arkansas team that has been, in my eyes, a disappointment at least on offense. Um, probably, uh, you know, the, the end of the road for Sam Pittman there. Um, but, but, uh, Florida's got to handle their business and, and they've got to move on. This is a situation for Florida Garrett. Just don't let Georgia beat you twice. That That's really what I'm looking at here in regards to this home game for the Gators. Yeah. And, and I think you said it best. Don't let Georgia beat you twice. Uh, whenever you play teams that are super physical, it's, it's only, it's not only that one week that they, they, that hurts you. It's the week after, uh, you're really beat up you're playing another team that's going to be super physical and try to punch you in the mouth. That's trying to save their season. Uh, if it's not gone already, Arkansas is two and six, you in four, the next four games. If you're Arkansas, you're going bowling. Uh, now, do you think that that happens? No, probably not, but you can't do that unless you win this week against Florida. So Arkansas is in must win mode. They're in do or die mode. Uh, Florida, I think they can actually continue to, to Florida's had a pretty good season, I'd say. And they've surpassed my expectations for what they were, what I expected from them. I think Graham Mertz is going to get back on track and I think they're going to be able to run the ball a lot better than they were last week. Uh, and, and I think that's really going to be the biggest key for them. I want to see ETN go get going. Uh, Ricky Pearsall, I think he just continue having success. And I, I don't really see how Arkansas slows them down. It's going to be a tough sell for Sam Pittman. If, if he loses this game badly, it's going to be a tough sell for him just in general. Uh, but he's, he's just on the slow march towards uh, likely termination at the end of the season. But let's move on to South Carolina. They are playing host to Jacksonville State, who, believe it or not, Abe, is actually a pretty good football team. Uh, I will say this, though, for South Carolina. I'm just going to start with there. Uh, they're also 2-6. and six. They're a team that I could maybe see making a bowl. You have to win this week against Jacksonville State. Then you have Vanderbilt next week. That's a winnable game. Then you have Kentucky. That's a winnable football game if they play good football. Then you're fighting for bold eligibility against a Clemson team that is sort of pulling its hair out right now. Uh, this is not an unbeatable slate of games. And if you're Shane Beamer, you you just strike while the iron's hot. Normally, it's October that, that they have their crazy months. Uh, I know... I think Josh Pate from uh, 24-7 Sports calls it Cocktober uh, because they kind of go crazy. This last Cocktober, if you will, they went 0-4. Um, that's generally where they go bonkers. But maybe it's a, a Cockvember, uh, and they kind of go crazy in the final month of the season. Jacksonville State, though, 7-2 and coming into this one. Not as bad of a – it's not a pushover. Let's just put it that way. 
Yeah, it's just a situation where you just got to gain some confidence on offense, gain some yeah. confidence on defense, and take it into, like you said, a string of winnable games. And 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 look, Shane Beamer's not like too on the hot seat right now, but if you mess around with this one, you you could find yourself there real quick. So just build some confidence moving into the rest of your schedule. Auburn and Vanderbilt. I'm going to not spend too much time with this. Hugh Freeze picks up his first SEC win last week against Mississippi State. Uh, big win for for Hugh Freeze and company. Now they get Vanderbilt on the road. I think they should roll in this one. Vanderbilt, <clears throat> dreadful season. I think they're over under at the beginning of the season was three and a half. A lot of people pegged them as a, an easy over on that. It's looking increasingly unlikely that they reach that number. But I, I want to see for Auburn, pick up your second win in the SEC. Two wins in SEC play is very respectable, and that's absolutely something you can build on, but you've got to win this football game first. The first step in trying to compete with Alabama and LSU is taking away the uncertainty in games like this. This is a game Hugh Freezer brought in. The first step is to win these games comfortably yep. and build from there, and that's that's where we're at right now. It's win this game comfortably and keep moving. Yep, and that's kind of the road. Um, Vanderbilt, that stadium has a, a very un even turf they're going through the uh the renovations over there at commodore stadium just stay healthy stay healthy for the back half of your schedule yep. so uh kentucky and mississippi state this is another one where i had higher expectations for kentucky than most people did they lost a frustrating game where devin leary woke up uh throws for 300 plus yards yeah that's my thing that i want to look i, I want to see this week ray davis you know what he is he's a beast it's likely first team all sec this year uh, but I want to see Devin Leary continue it and, and continue his role in, in positive momentum from last week and do it against a team that you should absolutely beat. Even if it's, I mean, it's, it's a tough place to play in Starkville. It's a weird place to play if you're not used to playing there. Uh, so I think that might set them off just earlier in this game, but ultimately Kentucky's a better team. They should win this game. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. I don't know if Kentucky overall has been disappointing. They kind of won the games I thought they'd won, lose the games I thought they'd lose. But I, I do agree with you about Devin Leary. He's been a disappointment for me. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, they lost a week ago, but it was a little bit of a coming out party. Let's just see if you can carry that over uh, and, and find yourself because he has not looked like the quarterback that transferred in from the ACC uh, as of yet until last week. So I, I agree with you. This is a game. They're the better team. They're coached well enough to where they should be able to go on the road and win this game. Hey, quickly, let's move into the Atlantic Coastal Conference, which just released its brand new schedules, which uh, we're not going to get into too much right here. But it is now not just the Atlantic Coastal Conference. It is the Atlantic plus Pacific Coastal Conference because Cal and uh, Stanford are coming in. But I did want to give a quick shout out to uh, the ACC. They just released those schedules. If you haven't seen them, go check them out. All of those are up on the ACC's website. But I do want to start because we have two weekday games that we want to get into. Yeah. Tonight, Wake Forest is traveling to Duke in a battle of the private schools in North Carolina. It's just a surprisingly interesting game for me, uh, just in general. I think Duke is a good football team. They should they should win this game. What is the status of Riley Leonard? Is he 100%? Can he play a full game? Can he? Act, should he play this game? Should he take this off and take a break? Duke? Really disappointed me last week. I expected them to come out and, and look a lot better on offense. They didn't look that way, uh, and I'm a little frustrated with what I saw from them, but they're still a good team, and they should win this game. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, it, it's a situation where the defense is starting to let them down a little bit as compared to some of the games they were in earlier. And, yep. and simply enough, as you mentioned, Riley Leonard, 
even though he's playing, he's not Riley Leonard. Uh, it, it's taken away, and and obviously a short week. How much better can he look this week than he did last week? Still should be enough to get by Wake. I agree with you. Uh, maybe the defense peaks back up a little bit, but um, they, they it's been a rough go uh, for Duke uh, since that Notre Dame game. Yeah, Boston College takes a road trip to Syracuse, and Boston College is a team that has looked a lot better as of late. Uh, they they kind of use looks like they used that bye week to get right. They then go travel to Atlanta to take on Georgia Tech and Castellanos and and Robichaud. They kind of go buck wild in that game, and since then they've been looking pretty good, you know. And and they're two and two in the ACC. They're looking to continue that against a not so good Syracuse team that is still looking to pick up its first win in ACC play. I think that Boston College should dominate this game in a battle of the two New England squads. Is two teams going in opposite directions. I mean, you got Syracuse started 4-0. They've lost four straight. I'll be three of it, two ranked teams. Uh, and then Boston College, who started 1-3, and three, they've won four in a row. Castellanos, as uh, you mentioned uh, throughout, uh, leading up to that Tech game, very fun to watch and yep. expect more of the same big output from him. Yep, and then we move into the other, the, the first of the noon slate on Saturday. Notre Dame coming down to Clemson, South Carolina, a game that, a lot of people circled early in the season as a, wow, this could be a deciding game in the college football playoff rankings because a lot of people pegged Clemson as a favorite in the ACC for, for good reason. This is a very talented football team. Uh, Notre Dame is another team who said, well, if they potentially lose a close one at Ohio State or say they like do X, Y, or Z, like any number of things. None of those things happen. Uh, a lot of different things have happened. Notre Dame has been a little hot and cold at times. They've had the the crazy outputs at times. And then you, of course you turn around and you have the big win over USC, which I think they're still riding high from that game. Now they travel down to Clemson in a very interesting game where Dabo Sweeney has the Clemson Tigers at two and four in the conference, which if you had told me that Abe before the season, I would have thought that a bomb went off somewhere. In, like, it just, it just an insane it's like within the program. Like, Maybe there are just injuries all over the place. Maybe uh, the defense, something crazy would have must have happened. That's an unfathomable result for me. Two and four. It, but it, it is that bad, and things are that bad in Clemson, South Carolina. Look, Clemson has lost every game that can get their season semi on track, if you know what I mean. Obviously, the opener to Duke, all right, you lost the Florida State game, which could have put you back into the race in the ACC. All right, fine. You beat Q's and Wake Forest, great. Yeah, another challenge against Miami, and and you suffer a loss in that one. Is this a game they can win? That that you're not getting your season back on track. That's already gone. Uh, but there's a little bit of justification behind this win if they could get that. Uh, and, and it would be a big win for Dabo, considering the the events of the past. I uh, let's just say three weeks on the field, off the field, commentary. Um, you know, callers from Spartanburg, whatever. Um. <laughs> This would be a big win for them because there there is a real, real steep slope that they're sliding down right now. They've got to plateau it at some point uh, before they pick up too much speed on on the downside of that. So uh, very, very interesting game. I've seen nothing that makes me believe that they're going to win this game. No. Just just being honest, all of that mystique of Clemson – is gone. Uh, somehow Florida State took it away with one quarterback snap and uh, fumble and, and return for a touchdown because 
They they still have the same players. They still should be good, and it's just not working for whatever reason. And, and Notre Dame, is we've seen how well they've been able to play in, in a number of games, some wins and some losses they've played well in. So uh, very, very tough game and very tough close to the season for Clemson. They got Georgia Tech coming. They got North Carolina coming. They got mm-hmm. South Carolina coming. Uh, they got to get back on track at some point. Is this the game to kind of get it going? I don't know. You know, and I'm looking at their schedule now. This is a team yeah. that's four and four overall. Uh, there is a very real world that Clemson misses a bowl game. I was going to say, don't you say it, but there you go. Uh, like, and if you it told would be me, stunning. it would be stunning. I would be stunned. Yeah, stunned if they did, if they missed a bowl game. This team is way too talented. There is way too much going their way. They had way too much momentum just in general coming into this season, and and like. You looked at what they did last year. You say, oh, it was kind of a down year for Clemson, right? They won 10 games, Abe. They won 10 games last week. And look, I went on, I actually went back and and watched myself because I felt like I might've gone a little too hard on Dabo Sweeney and this Clemson team in general last on on Monday morning when we we debuted our our other podcast. No, no. The the more I watched it, the more I'm like, yeah, I I made some good points and I completely stand with, I stand on that hill. You know, Dabo Sweeney, what he has done this year is a disgrace to the program. It is there is nothing good that I have to say about Dabo Sweeney anymore. He is, and I will I will restate what I said last week, our last podcast. He is as unfireable of a head coach as there exists in college football. He's right there with Kirby Smart, and he's right there with Nick Saban. But he's about to miss a damn bowl game, and I, I didn't I almost didn't say damn. That is how bad his season has been. It is embarrassingly bad. There is a good chance, not a chance, a good chance plus chance that he ends this season on a six-game losing streak. That's unacceptable. That's unacceptable. And I don't care I don't care if you lo- if a couple fumbles went your way. I don't care if one or two more plays go your way. You, it is unacceptable to lo- to not make a bowl game and be Clemson and play the schedule that you play in the ACC. You are way more talented than anybody you play in the conference. Anybody. And that includes Florida State, that includes Notre Dame, it includes anybody. It includes North Carolina. You are far more talented than anybody in the conference. And if you miss a bowl game, Dabo Sweeney, I mean, I say it again, he's as unfireable of a head coach as there exists in college football. He's on a hot seat, period. Yeah, I, I, I'm not as extreme to you. I don't think they're missing a bowl game. They're going to beat uh, Georgia Tech, and they're going to beat Probably. South Carolina, and, and that'll get them where they Probably. need to be. I'm interested in this aspect of this game, though, because the crowd was pretty ramped up. Uh, against Florida State a, a number of weeks ago when that was a home game for Clemson. Mm-hmm. Very interested to see what the crowd feels like in this game because there's no reason for them to be um, providing the atmosphere to the players that they did against the Seminoles. I'm interested mm-hmm. to see what it feels like for this one. Have they kind of stepped away? Have they kind of removed themselves a little bit emotionally? Uh, maybe. The atmosphere will tell me. I think we're going to learn a lot about this team very early in this game and Audric Estime has a chance to punch him in the mouth and let, let's see what happens there. Because I, I think, I think Clemson does factor into this game. I think they, the way that Clemson likes to play football, I think it does work in their favor a little bit. Notre Dame is favored three and a half points on the road. Uh, and that should be taken, I guess, into a little bit of account if you, for what you will. But Audric Estime, I've said this multiple times on college football game time. I, I'll say, I've probably said it a few times on this podcast, but Notre Dame will go as Audric Estime goes. We've seen what they've looked like when he doesn't do well, and it's not pretty. 
So if they can slow down, slow down the Notre Dame rushing attack, I think Clemson's got a great shot at winning this football game. They play at home. Like you said, I think that factors in a great deal. Uh, I want to see what the fans do. I want to see how the fans react to Dabo because I know that every Clemson fan that I've ever met, all the Clemson fans that I know personally, they love Dabo Sweeney. They, he is he is so important to them. They, they love that guy. I want to see how they react after everything that's gone down this week. I, you see cracks in the armor. Uh, so we'll see how the fans react. We're going to learn very quickly in this game how it's probably going to go. And if it gets ugly, then that's a different bridge, and we will absolutely be talking about this game on Sunday, regardless if they win or lose. Uh, but I do want to continue moving on. Georgia, or excuse me, Campbell. Let's go to Campbell. They travel to North Carolina. North Carolina is a team that's lost two games in a row in the ACC, two games that they absolutely had no business losing, two games where if I, I feel like if they just run the ball in the second half and don't let the game plan get away from them, and let Drake May just sort of chuck the ball down the field. It's very easy for a team with a quarterback that talented and wide receivers that talented to just sort of throw the ball. And I think you just need to run the ball effectively. And you you have two win, two more wins on this on this on this season. So Campbell's coming into town. This is a get right game for them. I'm going to say the same thing I said to you about South Carolina here in regards to North Carolina, and that's all I'll say on this game. This yeah. is a game where you get some confidence on offense, you get some confidence on defense, and you take it forward into the last couple of games of the regular season. That's what North Carolina is going to look to do, along with, as you mentioned, for, for a game uh, a while ago, look to stay healthy as well. Yeah, absolutely. So Georgia Tech travels to Charlottesville, Virginia, for a game that both teams really need to win. We talked about some SEC teams that needed to win. This Virginia team is a team that that started the season 0-5, losses to Maryland, losses to, to NC State, and to a bad one to Tennessee. Um, but this is all of a sudden a team that goes on the road and beats – they beat for uh, North Carolina, the team we just talked about, and they look very good against a, a Miami team last week in a game that they very well could have won. Uh, this is a team that's a lot better than the record indicates, and they are still very much in play for a bowl game. Georgia Tech's got their work cut out for them. It's a it's an odd number game, so that doesn't spell good for Georgia Tech, who's only won even games on this checkerboard of a season. Take from that what you will. I won't take a whole lot. I think Georgia Tech is a better football team, but I think they got to go on the road and prove it. They're four and one under Brink Key on the road as ACC underdogs, and I think Haynes King and this offense are going to be too much for this Virginia Virginia defense that trends very young on the defensive side of the football, but. Ultimately, this comes down to whether or not Georgia Tech can stop the run, which has been working in Virginia's favor. They have an ACC leader in terms of receiving yards per game in uh, Malik Washington, I believe. And this is a good Virginia team, but I think the winner of this game is going to go a long way in their bowl eligibility. Yeah, I, I think you hit it right on the head right there in the end. Uh, we said two weeks ago they got to beat Boston College, which is going to be real tough to get to bowl eligibility because of who they'd have to beat the rest of the way. Well, yep. they turned around and then beat one of those ranked teams in North Carolina. I'll say it again, though. They need to win this game because yep. it's going to be very tough to beat who you've got the rest of the way. I know we just took 10 minutes to dump on Clemson. It's still going to be tough My for Georgia Tech to beat them in a couple of weeks. And then, obviously, Georgia at the end of the way. They, this is a big game for Brent Key and Georgia Tech if they mm -hmm. want to reach a bowl. As you mentioned, for whatever reason – I like this team on the road. They play well on the road. They knock off ACC opponents on the road, and that's what they'll look to do uh, again. And, and Haynes King has had a little bit of ups and downs, but more ups than downs this season. Uh, obviously uh, had a huge performance this past weekend uh, in the win against North Carolina. Look to carry that over 
Because uh, if, if Georgia Tech's scoring in the 30s and the 40s, they're going to win those games, hands oh, down. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think the biggest key for them here is they got to run the ball effectively. The biggest thing in the, in that game against North Carolina is that the, the rushing attack just found a not a, a third, fourth, fifth, sixth gear. They, they they were like way, way up here off the charts good. They run for 240 plus yards in the fourth quarter against North Carolina in a game that was just unbelievable. Um, they rushed the field and it was crazy. But ultimately for them, if they run the ball effectively and if they can slow down Tony Musket in general, uh, the, the quarterback who, who's since returned from injury, for Virginia, if they can get after him, Kyle Kennard, somebody who I'm going to be looking at in particular, if they can get after him and, and make him uncomfortable and keeping them off pace, because Georgia Tech is one of the worst third down defenses in college football. So let's see. If, and and Musket in general is a guy who excels in that short to intermediate passing attack, and that's something that can really, really hurt Georgia Tech if they can't if they don't if they don't keep them behind the chains and force them off the field and get get Haynes King back on the field to really take advantage of this Virginia secondary in general. Um, let's go down to or up to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, because Florida State is also making that trip uh, from Tallahassee up there to play Pitt. I think Florida State should handle this game pretty effectively. They're the best team in the ACC. They, they've consistently shown that time and time again. Uh, Pittsburgh is a team that's also jumped on, on Louisville, a team that we expected Louisville to roll in that one. A lot of people did. But Pittsburgh finds another gear. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen this week because you have a head coach who uh, in a press conference said some pretty negative things about his players, and they have since taken to Twitter to uh, not support their head coach. I think this could get ugly for Pittsburgh very quickly. Look, this is all about the Seminoles, and, and the college football playoff rankings uh, sent a message to Florida State. Your impressive wins make a difference. You have to yeah. stay impressed. That's the only reason they're ahead of Washington. They, they've been more dominant in some of the recent wins than Washington has recently. Uh, and look, Washington probably would pass them over with, with a ranked win uh, yeah. this weekend. We'll get to that when we dive into around the nation. But th this is a memo to Florida State. You need to keep beating these teams. If you're not going to play these teams that are ranked in the top 25, you need to beat the teams that are not ranked there by 10, 15, 20, 30 points. Uh, that's what they've done recently, and that's what I expect them to do this week. Yeah, it's, it's going to be um, let the offense cook because I don't think Pittsburgh's going to have really much of a chance to slow them down. Um, now, the other team that I mentioned that uh, did not find a lot of success is Jawar Jordan and the Louisville Cardinals, a Virginia Tech coming into town with a, an incredibly important game, Abe, uh, because both of these teams have one loss in the ACC. I don't think if you like if I don't know what's more unlikely, truthfully, if you came to be at the beginning of the season and said there's a chance that Clemson misses a bowl game or that Virginia Tech could be playing in a an ACC title game. I don't know which one's more ridiculous uh, because they're both pretty insane. But Virginia Tech, they start they're four and four, but now they're three and one in ACC play. You win this game against Louisville, you are a clear number two in the conference to go play Florida State, and that stretch of games to end the season is not so bad. So you have a huge game and a huge opportunity against Louisville. That said, I think Louisville is just a much better team. Uh, Virginia Tech has just been the benefactor of a not-so-tough ACC schedule. I don't see any way that they slow down Jawar Jordan. I don't see any way that they slow down this this vaunted passing attack led by Jack Plummer and Jamari Thrash. I have a hard – they'll have a hard case to win this game. But, look, they've done it so far, so they've surprised us every step of the way. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Louisville just gets after it a little bit too much for Virginia Tech to keep pace. But I will say this, like you mentioned, if they do somehow find themselves winning this game, 
Boston College, NC State, and Virginia is all they've got left on their schedule. That's a manageable run for them as well. That That is exactly accurate. They could be headed towards an ACC championship game, but th- this game, uh, it, there's no discussion if you don't win this one. So that's right there. Yeah, and Florida State's the only really top program that I would say that they've played this year. Uh, no disrespect for the likes of Rutgers uh, or Old Dominion in the Sun Belt. This is not really a, a murderer's row of a schedule, and they're four and four in general. Their wins in the ACC have come over Pittsburgh, Wake Forest, and Syracuse, albeit a pretty good Wake Forest team. So we'll see who steps up in this game. But I think Louisville's on a mission. I think they're the better team. I think they should roll in this game. Final one in the ACC. Miami goes to NC State on a battle uh, on ACC Network. NC State's an interesting opponent, but Miami's a team who I think is also relatively alive. They're 2-2 two and two in the ACC. They're a team that has trended hot and cold. They had the big win over Clemson, and then they nearly slip up against Virginia last week but they survive. I, I want to see what Tyler Van Dyke does to respond. He's been kind of banged up a little bit over the course of the season. You've got to keep him safe. NC State, I don't know if they're going to be able to take advantage of that, though. Well, I'll say this, and, and this is all I'll say about this game. You know how much I love a trap game. Miami's gearing up to go to Florida State next week. Don't it let is. that game get in your way this week. You are better than NC State. Go on the field and prove it, and then focus on the Seminoles. Do not get caught looking ahead. Yeah, but look, this is also an NC State team that could be hung over after an incredible performance last week against Clemson, which I would say is their by far their best game of the year. Um, because this is a squad that's really struggled in in these kinds of games. Their two losses are three losses, I should say. Like your losses are to Notre Dame, they got smoked. Louisville in a game that really they gave themselves a great opportunity to win that game, and then Duke, and they got smoked in that game. So I, I could really see this as another opportunity for them to just get smoked. Uh, week after Clemson, uh, I think you, you maybe they found a different gear. Maybe they found something different. I don't know yet <laughs> because this this Dave Doran is just the mastermind of eight and four seasons. Uh, That's just really the way that he goes. It's just he lives in that range. So he'll do what he can to get to that. But I, I'm not sure if this is the week that he's going to get it done. I also don't know who this Miami team is. I, I think they've, they've, they've flashed hot and cold and I just want to see more consistency from Mario Cristobal's squad. Uh, but that's it for the ACC, Abe. I do want to move into a couple of the big games across the country. And I'm going to, we're going to start quickly here. Kansas state in Texas. This is a really important game, by the way, because I, I, I mentioned that Virginia tech and Louisville are two teams who, you may not have expected to, to be in the situation where you've seen Louisville all season. They've kind of been that team that's been trending upwards, and then all of a sudden you have the Pittsburgh loss. Uh, but Virginia Tech has been flying under the radar. Kansas State's another team that's been flying under the radar, Abe. They're 25th in the country in the inaugural college football playoff poll. Texas, of course, everybody's been looking at the Longhorns. But this is a Kansas State team that's very much alive, and they can make it a three-way tie in the, in the Big 12. Yeah, and again, like we talked about, I don't even remember what team it was. Uh, I think it was actually Alabama in regards to not losing to LSU. Texas cannot lose this game and still reach the college football playoffs, no matter what they do in the uh, Big 12 there. So uh, this is a team that can get you. There is no doubt about it. We saw it a year ago, like you mentioned, against TCU. Will Howard still a problem? So um, it was interesting, right, this week, (laughs) because we saw some – my dog is – not agreeing with me. Not agreeing <laughs> with me. Um, we did see some stuff from Malik Murphy 
um, in regards to how comfortable are you with Texas yeah. being able to move forward without Quinn Ewers. Now we got to see it against a ranked team. Pretty good defense um, in a game where he might have to make plays in crucial moments. I think that's going to be the key. Uh, he looked good early on. The first returns were strong, but what do we have moving forward now? Absolutely. And I, and I want to correct something I did just say. I said a, a three-way tie. It's just a multi-way tie. It would break the multi-way tie that exists in the Big 12. Oklahoma's 4-1. and one. Iowa State is casually 4-1. and one. Oklahoma State has just ridden this incredible wave um, on Ollie Gordon. They are 4-1. and one. Texas is 4-1. and one. Kansas State is 4-1. and one. And one of the, the most beautiful thing about the Big 12, just in general, Abe, is that everybody has to play everybody. And this is a squad that, I mean, we're going to figure it all out. I, I think that what we talked about the Pac-12 doing is ironically happening in the Big 12. And there is a very realistic chance that these teams just gouge each other and, and just beat each other up to the point that nobody makes it. And I have no real expectations for this game. Kansas State's a well-coached team. They're a team that's playing its best football as of late. They have been very effective on defense, I will say, right alongside Texas. They lead the, the conference in points allowed, and I, I think, or at least within the conference. This is a very winnable game if you're Kansas State because you can take advantage of, of the absence of Quinn Ewers. And look, you have your entire – everything is in front of you if you're Kansas State. So you have a chance to, to go shock the world and beat Texas. I expect Texas to win this game, though. I think that the – the, the Xavier Worthies and the A.D. Mitchells and everybody on the outside, uh, Robinson. I mean, look, this is a squad that that should win this game. They're a more talented team. They are the better team, and they're playing at home. So I expect Texas to win this football game. Did you have any more thoughts on that one, or do you want to move on? Well, it's just, it's just very interesting. Texas feels like a team that doesn't like to get bumped around. The high-flying speed of their offense on the outside. Yeah, but uh, Kansas State is the other way. Hard-nosed, gritty play physical, play tough. They're comfortable in ugly-ish games. Uh, so there is a meshing of styles a little bit. It'll be interesting to see who wins out. But they, the other thing for uh, Texas, uh, Will Howard at Kansas State is so dangerous with his legs. That's yeah. such a big part of their game. They did not do a great job controlling Dylan Gabriel and, and what he can do running the ball. That would be my key for Kansas yeah. State. If the Wildcats are going to win this game, Look for a lot of first down conversions, a lot of runs from the quarterback. Yeah. And then we're going to keep it in the Big 12 because Bedlam is happening, and it's the last edition of Bedlam. And that makes me very sad, <laughs> just in general. It's just one of the, the latest college football games that are been played for 100 years that's, that's just going to go away seemingly overnight. Uh, but Oklahoma travels to Oklahoma State to take on this edition of Bedlam. And Oklahoma tends to have their way with Oklahoma State. Just historically, this is a, a game that Oklahoma State has really struggled in. But this is also an Oklahoma team that has been struggling with itself as of late. They, they're coming off of a loss to Kansas, where I think all in all, they were the better team. Uh, they were the better team last week, but they still found a way to lose. And a lot of that comes down to them. The big plays have gone away. The turnovers have gone away. Those are things that, you can't allow against an Oklahoma State team that you have Ollie Gordon, who has just been a freak of nature in this game. I mean, I think he has in his last three games something like 860 total yards. That's unbelievable. Everybody's keyed on the guy, and they still can't seem to slow him down. I mean, when you have somebody who's playing at that high of a level, and a lot of people picked Oklahoma State to win the conference or play for the conference title game coming into the season, and they, they really shuffled their feet 
early in the season. And Oklahoma State's found their gear. People talked about Gundy being on the hot seat after the way they started. And since then, they've only come out and won. You know, I, I'm really excited for this game. And like I mentioned before, these are two teams who are four and one in play and both completely control their fate in the conference. Yeah, this is a thing where I agree with you. Ollie Gordon is obviously going to be the key here. He's had over 120 yards in each of his last five games on the ground. Mm -hmm. He also had like a buck 16 in one of those through the air. Went for 271 this past week, 280 the week before. Uh, but the other thing for for Oklahoma, and we've said this, is they – I don't know if this is the right terminology for it, but they are front runners. And what I mean by that is – they create turnovers. They do not turn the ball over. They had one of the best uh, turnover margins in the entire country. They may still lead the entire country in interceptions. That was what flipped a week ago. They have got to get back on track. This is a very dangerous Oklahoma State team. Look, you may look at their record. You see they got two losses. You go see who they lost to. It's not good losses, okay? They're probably the two worst losses for any ranked team in the country but they've been trending back upwards. They beat the Kansas team that you just said knocked off Oklahoma. They beat the Kansas State team that's going to try and knock off Texas. They are getting better at the right part of the season. This is not at all a gimme win for Oklahoma. They have got to do the things that help them beat Texas and help them get into the top 10 in the first place. That is force the turnover and take care of the ball on their own. If not, Ollie Gordon will cut them up. Yeah, I and mean, I think look, I don't want to I don't want to crap on Iowa State too much. That's the other loss. The South Alabama game is inexcusable. You can't lose a game like that, much less 30 to 7. Uh that was a oh my god, one of the most incredible results of the season that not a lot of people talked about. Let's put it that way. Um, but Iowa State's a team that's generally won the games that they were supposed to win outside of the game against Ohio and lost the games uh, that they were supposed to lose. But Let's not forget that this is a team that's four. That's also a team that's four and one in conference and still very much alive in the race for the Big Twelve. I think that that's a bit of a fool's gold record. Um, we'll see what happens to them down the stretch. But like we said, Ollie Gordon's the key in this one. Dylan Gabriel, you should win this game if you're Oklahoma. This is a game that if you're Oklahoma or an Oklahoma fan, you always expect to win Bedlam. But this is Oklahoma State Super Bowl. You know they're going to come out and pull out all the stops, and if they if they can beat Oklahoma on their way out they'd be happy for the next decade. You know, like this game means so much to them. And I would not put it past them to, to win this football game. They're playing at home. I think that really matters. The crowd is going to be bananas. And I think this is just, this is a very interesting game. And it's coming into a 3.30 slate that's very packed. But at the end of the day, I got my eyes on this game because I'm very interested. I also want to see what Ollie Gordon does in the biggest game likely of his career uh, so far to this point. But I want to move to another 330 game up in the Big Ten. Penn State travels to Maryland. Penn State had the struggle game last week. I think it was a bit of a hangover after what we saw against them in, uh, in Ohio State. They should win this game going away. Maryland is another team that had a frustrating loss last week in a game that they should absolutely not have lost. Uh, but Penn State's a better team, and I expect them to win this game. We saw Maryland play heads up with Ohio State for three quarters before it fell completely apart um, yeah. a couple weeks ago. This is a, a home game for uh, Maryland. And my favorite thing to point to, Penn State, Michigan, next week. Don't let that game get you beat. 
this week. Penn State still has a shot at making the college football playoffs, still has a shot at winning mm-hmm. the Big Ten. It's all still in front of them, uh, so just don't do anything dumb. I agree with you. They're the better team. There's no question about it, but don't look ahead. Don't be dumb. Uh, just go handle your business and then focus on the Wolverines. Um, change your play calls and, and get after the Terrapins. That's that's what you got to do. <laughs> no, come out and just do what you got to do uh, on offense. And uh, like you said, change your play calls because next week you got uh, Connor Stallions and company coming to town. Or I guess not Stallions is not going to be there because he is uh, suspended for uh, reasons that we're not going to get too deep into on this podcast, at least not right now, because uh, we'll see down the road as the investigation unfolds. I do want to take a quick point because Georgia State has a huge matchup after the loss to Georgia Southern last week. James Madison comes to town, and Georgia State is playing right now for their Sunbelt lives. I'm not going to go too deep into this one, but uh, Georgia Southern is is in the driver's seat after the game last week. three and one in the conference. James Madison is not allowed to play in the conference title game. I said earlier on this podcast that they are the team that got snubbed from the college football playoff rankings. They're 23rd in the AP poll. I think that's about right. Um, I think James Madison would go head to head with just about uh, most teams in the country. I'd say like, I would say that if it's anybody within the top 20 or so like outside of the top 20, I think that James Madison could give them a run for their money. And even a couple of those teams in the teens, I think they really could. This is a team that rushes the passer super well. Um, I want to see what the Georgia State passing attack can do. Uh, that's really the big being their biggest bread and butter is that short to intermediate passing game. And um, and then they run the ball effectively. But I don't think that's going to happen against James Madison. But this is a must-win game if you're Georgia State. Yeah, I'm also interested in James Madison. It just, this is one of the tougher games that they'll have going on the road. Uh, Georgia State's got a couple of extra days because they played uh, not on Saturday. Um, it, you know, it was a Thursday night game. So they got a couple extra days of rest of game prep, stuff like that. We'll just see how it plays out. But, uh, it's just, I'm just, I don't know just how good James Madison is. Not sure this game will seal the deal for me. Uh, but interested to see. And like you said, this is a desperate Georgia state team that has to win, uh, after what happened to them, uh, down there at Southern. Yeah. And James Madison's looking to, uh, potentially overrule an NCAA bylaw that says they can't play in a bowl game. I think that's a ridiculous rule. I think the world thinks that's a ridiculous rule, and hopefully they overturn that and figure something out. Uh, I think that they will. I'm cautiously optimistic. But I, I want to finish here, Abe, because out in the Pac-12, which has undeniably been the most exciting conference in college football this year, multiple teams ranked in the top 20 in this most recent college football playoff poll. Two of those teams are playing this week, Washington and USC. USC is looking to salvage their season after some just – brutal losses on, on on the road against uh, uh Notre Dame excuse me uh, against Notre Dame and then uh against Utah two games where they were kind of bullied and pushed around and now they have a Washington team that is not looked the part they're ranked number five in the country but they have the bet probably the best single win of anybody in this in the country but they haven't looked like Washington Michael Penix has not really played at a super high level I'd still say he's probably the front runner for the Heisman Trophy but who shows up for Washington right now? I, they can't afford to have a game like they have these last two weeks. But USC, I don't know how you slow down this Washington offense, even if it hasn't looked great in the last two weeks. If anybody wants to, a get-right game, schedule USC. The college football playoff committee sent a message to Washington about their performance the past two weeks. Uh, you have not been good enough. We are not ranking you above some of these other teams. Message received. And now they've got an opportunity 
to face a ranked team on the road and deliver a statement and, and yeah. jump at least one, if not more positions. I mean, look, they're probably jumping Florida State if they win this week just because it's a ranked team on the road, and, and I think that's an easy argument Maybe. to make. But can you be impressive enough to jump Michigan? I, I think that's something that they're wanting to see, the committee I'm, I'm talking about. And so, uh, look, I, I think they did deliver a message to Washington. Now the question is, was that message received, and can they act upon it? Because this is a game that I think we agree these two teams are not really uh, on the same level. Uh, Washington is much better than USC, certainly defensively, uh, but maybe even offensively as well. And, and so – uh, this is a game that that you like to see them come out and you look, you're not going to shut down USC entirely, but can this game be end somewhere 50 to 20, something like that? Like that, that's what you want to see. Um, if you're a Washington fan, and if you believe the Huskies should jump into the top four, come dominate this game. This isn't a game that you're going to hold USC to 20 points. I, you're not. No, that was just that. an example. Hey, I no, know. But- I know, but I do want to throw this out there. This is not a USC team that's left for dead. Like this is still a USC team that, has a debate, has an argument to say that they have the best offense. In the and look, if Washington doesn't wake up, if the message doesn't get received, USC can punch team, them in the mouth. Yeah. I mean, look, I've felt that they have slept walked through the last two weeks ever since that Oregon game. If you continue to do that, if you don't wake up, this game can get you. Yeah. And I think USC is plenty good. Uh, this is not a team. So when I, I picked Notre Dame to beat USC, I picked Utah to beat USC. I don't know if I'm going to pick Washington to beat USC. They're not the team that's built the same way as those other two teams. USC, generally speaking, likes teams that are a little bit more finesse. They don't like the punchy in the mouth teams. They don't like get pushed around. They're very LA in that sense. They're very fitting for where they play. But Washington is not also that kind of team. It's one of the reasons why I picked Oregon to win that game is because they are not a team that likes to get punched, pushed around too much. This is not this is not a game where you're going to be pushing anybody around. Both teams are going to rely on explosive offense, and I think both teams are well coached. So this is very much a game that USC can win. I might end up. I haven't made the pick yet. This is probably a game that I'm going to pick. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if I end up doing that. But USC very easily could win this game. Caleb Williams, I, I think he wants to get back on track. Michael Penix also wants to get back on track. 50 to 20 is not what I'm expecting. I'm expecting something like in the high 50s, 50-50 of sorts, a, a, a kind of a game. I'm not ready to pick the game yet. Um, you have to wait till Saturday morning at 11.20 before I do that uh, because I'm probably going to end up picking this one because it's just such a fascinating football game. Washington's traveling on the road. They generally play a lot better at home. Uh, I don't know if the, their offense is going to travel. They haven't done it in the last two weeks, you know, and – of all the teams who USC is looking to save their year and play in a, they can still go play in a New Year's six game, even with those two losses they have on their schedules. Those are two pretty respectable losses. I don't know, man, this is going to be very interesting. And I think that's going to be, that might end up being one of the games of the week. It's as simple to me as, is this the Washington team that showed up and beat Oregon? If that's the one that shows up, they're going to handle business. Or is it the one we've seen since? Because if that's the case, USC comes out with a win, as you mentioned. This is a very interesting game. It's all about the Huskies, in my opinion. Which side shows up? I tend to agree. I tend to agree. All right, Abe Gordon. It's been a pretty crazy week, and it's going to be a crazier weekend coming up this Saturday. We're going to have all of the reactions on college football overtime on Monday morning. So make sure you're subscribed. Drop that subscription right down there. Click that little button. 
because that means you're getting the latest on all of the 92.9 game stuff, even if you like the Falcons or any of those other things. That's awesome, too. But we appreciate you for coming here for your college football content. We are College Football Overtime. My name is Garrett Chapman. His name is Abe Gordon. We're going to have, well, we'll see you again on Monday because we got a lot of college football to discuss, multiple top 25 matchups, lots of fun, and we're going to be discussing it right here. So for Abe Gordon, my name is Garrett Chapman. Thank you for listening, and uh, you know what? We'll see you on Monday.